afternoon and welcome to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project with Chapo And with Bethany. Here we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. And this afternoon, we are going to be talking specifically about the idea of being a team. That's right. That a marriage is not just two individual people, but it is a team. Mm. And what does that look like when we're in a team as married people? Yeah. So, look, I'm going to start by reading something. Now, oh, I've got to apologise because I don't know where this is from. It's from a book. I've read it somewhere. I had it written down as a quote in one of my sermons that I preached at someone's wedding sometime, um, but I can't remember who said it, so sorry. If and your Googling has not been my fruitful. My Googling has not been fruitful, <laughs> but it, this is essentially what it says. Many relationships would be better if both partners reminded themselves that they are on the same side. Yeah, wow. So, we're a two-person team. That's right. And it's us, and then it's the rest of the world, and we're in this together, and we're, we've heard that a lot lately. We're in this together. Yeah. Um, but we're in that, in life together as married people. We're showing up together, and we're building the team together. That's right. And look, for whoever this author was, this mystery author who wrote this, it means that he's come across a lot of couples who don't see themselves as a team, who mm. don't see themselves as on the, on the same side, that they're actually on opposite sides and they're in conflict and they're concerned about themselves and not the health of them together. Yeah, right. Um, immediately that reminds me of something that I do when we're in a conflict situation. Um, conflict is huge in any relationship, whether mm. it's in a marriage relationship, whether it's in a sibling relationship, whether it's in a relationship with a colleague at work. If there are two people in a room who don't have the exact same ideas and thoughts and experiences, you get conflict. conflict. And so for me personally, something that I've become more aware of, um, and I certainly did this earlier on in our relationship and it's something that I've been working on over time, is that my go-to mode of operation in conflict is defensive. Mm. Like as soon as somebody is saying something that makes me feel like I am under attack or I'm not okay or I'm not worthy, I armor up and I am just like, you're talking and I'm just building wall, brick upon brick, brick upon brick, like yeah. just cladding up big time so that I have got the big guns to come back at you. Yeah, um, I have And so that this. I can prove that it is not my fault, so that I'm not the person to blame this situation. And, um, and so that defensiveness comes out really ugly. It comes from a place of wanting to, I guess, preserve yourself and to be right. Yeah. Um, and so it's something that I've been working on and it's been, you know, taken years of talking about conflict, of understanding one another between you and I, of um, therapy and understanding my childhood experiences and understanding my family of origin and my emotions as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I, you and I have been to um, a few different things where, as a couple, we've worked on our conflicts and we've worked on our marriage and spent time investing in and thinking about and planning our marriage as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, something you mentioned to me the other day about our oldest daughter, um, that she does the same thing. So Yeah, I noticed it just the other day yeah. when she was um, having a little conflict with her sister. Yeah, so she goes straight to defensive if we're trying to sort of question her or ask her if she, what she did was right. Yeah. It's straight to, um, yeah. So what was interesting about what you said, though, was that it's something that you have recognised and worked on and stuff like that, that um, it's okay to have faults. That's right. I've got plenty, don't I? Yeah, I've seen a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been married for 10 years, coming up 11 years, so we've certainly seen, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of each other. But how much better is it when we own those? Because yes. it's when you own them, you can be more intentional about trying to recognise that behaviour that exhibits those faults and eventually leads to a better team. Like, yeah. the, the 
the happier I am and the happier you are, the better we are as a team. That's right. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is you just mentioned there how there's been a lot of different relationship seminars that we've done and things that we've yeah, done. we've done to- retreats, yeah. we've done workshops, um, yeah, and just different things that invest in us um, over the years. Now, that's not because things were at rock bottom and it was dire straits for our marriage and we're about to pull the pin and you know, things were terrible. That wasn't the case at all. No. Um, for those of you who tuned in last week with us, you would have heard that the majority of couples who seek out therapy or some sort of outsider input onto their relationship are doing that when their relationship has hit rock, bo- rock bottom, when they're at the point where they're just like, I am done. But maybe we should give therapy a shot. And we wanted to invest in early in our relationship so that we didn't get to that point where we were asking for help too late, but that we were investing in and building up rather than asking help when things were really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Any investment you make in your marriage, in your team, is going to be good for everybody. I totally believe that. And it shouldn't be something that's left till things are really bad, like how are we going to fix this sinking ship? Um, but rather thinking, how can we make this the strongest boat on the water? Like, how can we, what can we do to make this not just strong and, um, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I've, lost, <laughs> I've got house, lost in the analogy. I think, a, I think a house is better. Like, a house, a house is like, you. are you building a strong house? that your family can live in, that you can serve others out of, that you can enjoy life in? Yeah. Or are you just constantly patching up holes in a house that's falling apart? That, yeah. And okay. does that better work analogy. better than your yeah. boat? House is better than a boat. <laughs> okay, so your marriage is a house, not a boat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what we can take away from today. So back could to be a houseboat. Uh, could be a houseboat. <laughs> wow, great choices. All right, so let's think about back to the team. Yeah. What is it that a team looks like when it comes to marriage? So for me, I'm like I'm a big NRL supporter. I yes, love you are. Um, now, supporter, I don't get to watch it every year, every football season. I'm like, this is the year I'm really going to follow my team. I'm really <laughs> going to, you know, watch the games. And usually, what happens? What do I watch? State of Origin, Grand Final, and yeah. maybe one or two games. And I try to catch the highlights on YouTube later, and that's about it because time, time, yeah, life, kids, work, family. Um, but. I'm a big NRL supporter. So when I think of team, I think of the things that I see on the football, right? Yeah. Now, look, what are some football players that you can name? <laughs> Come on, there's okay. a few. Jonathan Thurston. Yep. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> now I feel really put on the spot. Um, Luckier. And yeah, Darren Luckier. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, oh, no. Come on, you got to get one more. I mean, <laughs> I, do, I just, I can't remember their full names, like only like bits of it. Yep. No, I can't. Okay. I can't. Right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm so, so sorry. So, so, I watch sport um, because I like Chapo, not because I like sport. <laughs> and I'm sorry, guys. And I'm a bit upset because Darren Lockyer and um, Jonathan Thurston are both, both retired. Oh, okay. Are they both retired? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Queenslanders. But yeah. anyway, but the reason you remember those guys is because they were phenomenal players. Yes. Okay, do you know what teams either of them played for? Um, nope. No? Well, Thurston played for the Cowboys. Cowboys is I had, one of, one I of my favourite I was feeling teams. Cowboys and Broncos, is that? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, good job. <laughs> I just didn't want to say the wrong thing. So, I'd rather say nothing than be wrong. <laughs> now, now, Jonathan Thurston had one of the best kicks like oh it, yeah it, he it, always was lined up for the shot when it was time the to conversion. Kick the conversion yeah yeah, yeah 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 phenomenal right and so many games were won because of his kicking foot and his ability yes but it was never Jonathan Thurston's win 
it was Queensland's win or it was the Cowboys' win. And so they never yeah. just celebrated as the winner of the kick. It was the, the winner. The team won. When yeah. one person won, everybody won. When one person wins, the team wins. And not just that, but the supporters win. Those who are looking on and cheering on, they feel like they win as well. And I guess that idea of team is that when one one of us wins, we both win. When one of us succeeds, when something good happens in our life, when we meet a milestone that could be with our careers, it could be with our health, it could be with um, our, our mental health, it could be with so many different things. But when we succeed, we celebrate together. The team has won. I like that idea of... Um, the broader network of your spectators and your state and everyone who's supporting you also winning when your team wins. And I think about that in terms of marriage. Like, if your marriage is going great, Guns, then your relationships with your children are going to be better and happier. Your home is going to be a happier place. You are going to respond better in your workplace. You're going to be more, you know, of a joy to be around with your colleagues than you are if you're not doing great at home. It, um, you know, if you're studying, then getting things done, being productive, if you're doing creative processes, all of that is benefited by a healthy marriage relationship when yeah. you're in a marriage. Yeah. And then the opposite of that is that if you're in a not great marriage, then that toxicity can flow out into many areas of your yeah. life as well. That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's really cool. Um, and as you can tell from just listening to Chapo's pop quiz there, I'm the girl who got picked last for the teams. <laughs> and I'm also the girl who faked injuries to get out of sports. And um, I just mostly when we were dating was like watching sports because I knew you like sports and yeah. I was picking up things here and there. And then after we got married, I was like, ah, oh, I don't need to pretend like I know this <laughs> stuff anymore. <laughs> Uh, but um, we do enjoy, like, when we get to sit down and have a bit of family time together and have friends over and stuff when it when yeah. it's football time. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, like, when you think about team, like, because there's so many different kinds of teams, but for you, automatically, it's that football imagery. Yeah. But there's so many different kinds of teams that exist, so there's so many different sports that can have teams as That's well. Right. And when I was thinking about it, I was immediately thinking about soccer, yeah. which is totally not your football no. option. And then some people might be thinking basketball, or yeah. they might be thinking like a totally different... Tennis. They might be thinking like... Um, Table tennis? What's that one with the pegs on their nose of the ladies? Water like polo? Um, uh, no, no. Uh, water gym... I don't know. Aqua... Like, aqua. it's not aqua aerobics. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. The one where they go upside down and they do all the... That's a team. That's yeah. a squad. Okay. <laughs> um, Something else that I really love about being a team is that when you're a team, you celebrate as a team as well. So, as a team, what teams do is when they win, they celebrate. celebrate. They're excited. They enjoy. Um, They might talk about, hey, wasn't it awesome when you kicked this goal? Wasn't it awesome when you stole the ball off that guy? Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, you did a great job of that. Remember when you did this? And so, each is celebrating their part in the play as a team together. Do you know this from personal experience? I speak as a very eloquent (laughs) and experienced sportsman, yes. (laughs) No, so, I am the girl who got picked last on the sports teams. I'm the girl who... um, Really doesn't know that much yep. about that sort of stuff. So, um, but I've observed some teams yeah. in my life. Okay. So, look, Shannon Kolakowski in his book, uh, talking about when depression affects a relationship, he talks about being a team in that book and celebrating the idea. And there's this cool thing that he says, whereas the more we celebrate together, the more it reinforces the idea that we are a team. And oh, wow. so the celebration actually becomes something that 
I guess, continually builds up that team idea. And what um, what he says in this book is it can be as simple as the small things, like when you get the kids to bed and they finally go to sleep, celebrate that. Now, that's not a small thing, is it? No, it is no small feat to get to the other side of bedtime at the end of the day <laughs> when you've got little kids or more than one little kid. Oh, that, yeah. Um, if you've got small children, that like- It starts at like four o'clock <laughs> and by the time they're finished making excuses and asking for drinks of water and telling you about a thing that they just thought about that they emergencyly needed to tell you, yeah. it's like- Eight. Yeah. And you're just like, please let it be over. That that (laughs) evening, it's just painful. Like I have, I have mini panic attacks in the afternoon as we draw closer to that time where it's going to be like, oh, I've got to deal with this. (laughs) And I love the kids to death. I love them so much. But yeah, it is a try. It's like running a gauntlet uh, to the end of the day. Yeah. It's a painful couple of hours. (laughs) And then there's like peace on the other side. The mess, the like, the the rice that goes everywhere. Like, Why does rice go everywhere? I don't um, know, but it's best to wait till it dries to vacuum up. That's right. I know this. <laughs> to shower them, to pajama them, to finally get them to bed. They stop asking questions and um, whinging, and then they're asleep. And then you've got the little bit of a night that remains. And you can, like, exhale. With each other. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. We should celebrate that. Yeah. That's well, a good I've thing never to thought of that before. Like, just being like, hey, high five. We did it. We, we made did it. it. We made it through another night. We got through that, the gauntlet of horror. Yeah. Well, another thing is like just when you're with your spouse and, and you want to just share with each other the things that you've done during the day that are the victorious that you're excited yeah. about. Um, it doesn't have to be like a special date night or a special occasion or an anniversary for yeah. you to celebrate the love that you have together and the life that you share. Yeah. And it's yeah. just adding knowledge, but hey, we did something cool here. Like yeah. go us. We yeah. are a team. Like for us specifically. So. A lot of the time when we are preparing a couple for marriage, you quickly realize that one person is better with finances than the other and they're already starting to talk about things that they want to accomplish financially. And oh, yeah. We never had those conversations because neither of us are really good with the money yeah, side of things. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have very different ideas about what money should and shouldn't be spent on. Yeah. Um, but. But neither of the us are the, like, book balancing yeah, kind of. S- systematically planning, yes. <laughs> budgeting. And so, for a long time, our finances were just an absolute mess. And it was just and us getting angry with each other for spending money on things that either of us didn't think were important to spend money on. And we got some help. It was one of those things where we had to outsource some help. And we also had to have some really hard conversations with each other. Yeah. Not, um, not necessarily conflict conversations, but things that we had shame that we were holding on to, things that we, um, maybe were uncomfortable that we didn't want to talk about, but we had to bring those to the table so that we could sort things out yeah. as well. Yeah. Why do I feel this way about money? Why do I react this way about things being spent? Yeah. Yeah. But for us, we, we, we got to the other side of it. We yeah. got some help because we couldn't do it on our own after many years of marriage. And now we have a solid budget and we know what our parameters are and we have different accounts for different things and our bills are always paid on time and it's just awesome. And and It's much less stressful. It's a much less yeah. stressful, but that deserves a celebration. That's true. Um, we haven't celebrated. We haven't Can celebrated we celebrate that. later? That'd be great. Let's celebrate <laughs> that later because that's a cool thing. It's like, hey, we did this. Awesome. We got to the other side of that. And even finding, like, what are those little rituals that you as a couple find to be a cele- celebratory action? Like, mm. what is it for you that feels like a celebration? Is it is it a high five? Is it um, watching a movie together? Is it, um, you know, sitting down and having a cuppa together? What is the thing that feels like a celebration for you as yeah. well? What's that ritual that you can put in place that makes you go, this is special, this is nice, this is a reward as yeah. well? We yeah, we like to have a treat. 
Yes, we do. We, do. we have a treat. Yes. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. I think every time we found out that, um, you know, we were going to have another baby, we went and got like a some cakes from the bakery or something. Did we? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Wow. I don't remember like, that. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe three- we, we shouldn't celebrate with the cakes too often, though. Three children in and my memory is like a fish. And there are things that Chapo's like, remember when we did this? And I'm like, I got zero. I yeah. got nothing coming up here. <laughs> um, so, as well as celebrating as a team, what's another thing that a team does as well? Um, look, I think a te- it's something really important that a team does is don't let people suffer alone. Oh, wow. So, and this again, like coming back to the NRL thing, right? Um, there's something called a brain explosion. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what a brain explosion is? Um no, is it da- is it gross? Is it like an injury? No, it's not an injury. Okay. It's not something. It's not a literal damage to the brain. Oh, okay. Because there are like they do get hurt. Like it's a pretty contact correct. Sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got nothing to do with that. So okay. brain explosion is when you do something that is really dumb. Oh, okay. Something that is just stupid that makes no sense. Like you pass the ball to someone that's just not there. Like just into an open field, or yeah, um, or you run offside just for no reason. Like just you know. Stuff like that, right? Yeah. And there's all these videos and videos of, like, the best brain explosions from this year of all these NRL players doing just foolish things that make no sense. Uh, and immediately, they're filled with shame and regret. Yeah, it would be really hard to they're be that They're disappointed in themselves. They've let their team down. Um, they've, yeah, they've made a mess of things. But, and you know, they've got their head down. They're shaking their head. They're obviously upset with themselves. What's the next thing that usually happens? Though? Oh, I know. I've seen yeah. this. Okay, so one of them comes up, like, behind and sort of runs over and gives him, like, a pat on the shoulder on the back and he's like, come on, mate, let's keep going. Yeah. And um, sort of he's like, they're there and then they press forward yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and maybe even on. several, like, come around him and be like, don't worry, the game's not over yet. Let's yeah. keep going. It's like, yeah. look, I don't know what happened, buddy, but you'll be right. Yeah. You know, we'll get the next one. It's they don't okay. come over and, like, kick him or anything like <laughs> no, no, no. But how, like, for the sake of the team, if the other one came over and was like, what on earth were you thinking? Who were you passing the ball to? What have you done that for? What would that have done to the player? Mm. And, therefore, and the rest of the and game. And the rest of the game and the rest of the team. It yeah. would have put him out of action mentally for the whole rest of the game. But because mm. someone rushes over and says, hey, don't worry, mate, you've got this. We'll get it next time. It's going to be okay. And mm. it means it's that idea of like when we fumble. And we do fumble in marriage. We do dumb stuff. Like mistakes. We come home yeah. and said, Hey, I've got a speeding fine. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for that in the budget. I did a dumb thing, you know, or I don't know. Mm. There's some other, what's some dumb stuff you've done? Um, I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect, but I'm just trying to say that I can't remember when you, when you ask me to do it on the spot. I'm like, wow, I don't know. It's not because I'm the perfect partner in a relationship. It's it's more yeah. related to the statement I made earlier yeah. about not being oh, able to remember There was that time things. when you bought like $600 worth of Tupperware? Yes, I did. Um, I went to a Tupperware party. Yeah. There was a lot of suggestive selling going on. There wasn't very many people in the room. Um, I felt like I needed a lot of things. Um, a pantry looked great afterwards. Yeah. But it was definitely not a necessary spend. And I, initially, I was very angry. Yeah. And, and now <laughs> you tell people, you're like, oh, what you need is one of those Tupperware things for in your fridge. <laughs> what have I done that? You told that to somebody when you were like, oh, your fruit and vegetables need this from Tupperware. Uh, I, you have said that to somebody. And I was like, shivers. Look, I don't know. I'm, look, uh, yeah, I don't really. Tupperware convert. I, don't right love, I do not love Tupperware. But it's something that you've got to get over pretty quick because what is it going to do to the team? Yeah. To, you know, like, and, if and you not- can say, hey, look, yeah, look, I did something stupid. Like, what have I done that for? I'm, and we get it, we get on with it. Yeah. It's not about avoiding the hard conversations and it's not about, um, 
finding, you know, finding blame and placing blame on the other person, but it's more about how can we solve this problem as a team and move forward. Yeah. And I guess that's an area that I want to think about is problem solving as a team yeah. as well. Often when we come into a conflict situation, it's I win, you lose, and I don't want you to win because that means that I lose. <laughs> then you've lost, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so that's uncomfortable for me. And so I'm in attack mode or I'm in defensive mode and I'm not even listening to what you have to say. I'm just building what I need to getting do to be next, able to get to the other yeah, side. Getting your next line ready. The yeah. yeah. Stockpiling your artillery so you've got something to throw back. Right. And yeah. for some of the, us, and I know earlier in the relationship I used to do this a lot more than I do now because it's something that I've intentionally tried to let go of, especially women, I think, is like we draw out that memory from like a random dark deep drawer in the back of our minds that we've been saving up since like three years into our marriage and we're like remember that time that you didn't put the dishes away when I asked you to and it becomes like ammunition to add on to the yeah. argument that you're currently having even yeah. though it has nothing to do with the current content yeah, bringing up past hurts is yeah yeah and I think, I think I tend to find that's more of a feminine thing than a male thing, but it can still be part of that defensive behavior yeah. that we, that we do that to build our little fortresses. So look, problem solving as a team is something that is really important to talk about, but right now we're going to take a short break. Oh, yay. And we'll be back soon. Okay. Education is the most powerful weapon in the fight against human trafficking. Station partner Three Angels Australia invites you to a special live stream event on Saturday, June the 20th with special guest artists Matt Purcell and Ruve Stanicky. Join us and help close the poverty gap for vulnerable children in Nepal. For more information, visit threeangelsaustralia.org.au forward slash turning point and we'll see you on June the 20th at 4pm. Welcome back to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo. Here we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. If you've just joined us, we've been talking about how your marriage should be like a team, a two-person team where you are heading in the same direction towards the same goals and towards winning together. That's right. Um, now, I do have to make a quick apology. Do you? Because I um, I quoted an author before yeah. and I've done a bit of Googling and realised that obviously Shannon can be a man's name or a woman's name. Oh. And I referred uh, to Shannon Kolakowski as a he when it is in fact a she who wrote that book. Oh, tricky. Yeah, my mistake. Yes. Your assumption there. Okay, good. Apologising. Um so, what I want to talk about next is problem solving as a team. We've been talking about celebrating as a team for a bit and what it looks like to be a team together in a marriage. Yeah. Um, so, here's one that keeps coming up in our marriage. Like, from day dot, mm -hmm. since we got married and started sharing a life and a home together, yes. would you agree that domestic responsibility and the division of duties has been something that we have disagreed on? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's that same argument that we continue to have just manifests itself in different ways, but it's the one fight that we keep having for 10 years straight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're probably just going to keep having it for the next 10 years, but I'm going to tell you that there's two different ways that it can go, and it re relates to the idea of problem solving as a team. Okay. So, it can go this way, where... You, I perceive that you are not doing anything important, but I feel like I'm doing a lot of really important things. You're right. And I am struggling and I'm juggling a lot. I'm not coping and I'm not managing. And so, I come to you because I'm in the middle of my to-do list. Correct. And I perceive that you are not in the middle of any to-do list. And yes. so, I come up to you and I flip my lid and I say, I'm doing this, this, this and this and I can't handle it and I'm not okay and you're not helping me and I'm not managing. And what happens to you when I approach you like that? Um, I feel attacked. Yeah. Yeah. 
and not really interested in finding a solution. So you wouldn't say that that inspires you to be like, okay, babe, let's solve this problem together. No, not inspiring <laughs> at all. No, inspiration so, very low. And we've done that a few times, right? More yeah. than a few. And so then, but then there's another way that we can approach this and we can approach it as a team where we problem solve together. Now, usually the problem is more mine than yours because you don't see it as a problem and I see it as a problem, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 I, I have different lenses, I suppose. So yeah. things might look fantastic to me, but then you see it and notice there's some. Yeah. So you're, you're just like, problems. yeah, everything's okay. And I'm just like, what is this chaos? Yeah. And so. It's better when we address it as a team, when I come alongside you and I find the right moment to actually address you when I'm not full of, to the point of bursting with all of this tension that I've been holding on to, but actually come to you in the moment when I have a problem and I sit down beside you and I say, hun, I need to talk to you about this. And that's hard for me to do. Um, it's much easier for me to do the explosive way yep. than it is to actually take the moment and the vulnerability and to address it head on and sit down and quietly um, control my emotions and to come to you in that moment mm. and say, I'm really struggling with this. How can we get through it together? And also, How can you help me? also to find out what I'm actually doing. Because as you said, you perceive that I'm doing something that is not important. <laughs> And that is not always the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. But how much better is it when I come alongside you yes. and the problem is no longer I have a problem with you, but the problem is I have a problem that needs solving. Can you help me do it Exactly. Together? And then we're yeah. like, hey, that's right. We're a team. This is a problem. Because this is the thing. Like when we're a team, your problem is also my problem. Yeah. Because if you have a problem, it's affecting us. It doesn't matter what the problem is, it affects us. And I guess that's the bigger idea is, is that I don't have my problems, you don't have your problems, we have our problems. Yeah. Even if it affects you a lot more directly than it affects me. If a problem is affecting you, it in turn affects me because we are one. Yeah. Um, so it's not just a matter of, Oh, well, that's your issue. That's to do with your work or your jobs. And it's kind of hard with both of us being pastors because there's a lot of work that's- There's a lot of crossover in our A lot of crossover that crosses over between what's mine, what's yours, what's work, what's life, what's- It's it's a very messy situation. So, for those of you who don't know, Chapo and I, we live together, we work together, we parent together. Um, So, our work sphere isn't two separate spheres that we go into and then we come back into our home, but rather that we're trying to- section all those different parts and juggle those different parts of our lives together yeah, as yeah. we live together. So, it might not actually be me saying, hey, how can I help you solve your problem? You know, what can I do to fix it? But how can I support you while you are working through this so that we are still as a team working because you have a problem? Are you coming alongside me saying, hey, I know this week's hard for you. I know you've got to address some really big issues with church and, and it's really draining. What can I do to support you as my husband while you are taxed? Or Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and I guess that's the other thing as well is that when we are working together and we're seeing our problems as a collective, as a team problem, then there might be times where one part is stronger and one part is weaker in that team and we carry each other for a little while or we we do what it is that needs to be done to move forward even if one partner is stronger or weaker. Um, And also like things like there might be things that are part of my world that aren't part of your world that are a problem for me, but that I need your support in. So, for example, I might be having some kind of drama or conflict or intense project that I'm needing to complete at work or a deadline. You might not have anything to do with that and you might not be able to address that difficulty 
or even help me find a solution. But what you can do is say, I'm with you. How are you going? Can yep. I listen? Can I be that person for you yep. during this time that you're going through as well? Yep. And of course, there are problems that we do need to solve as a team because they affect both of us. Yes. And um, something that's not necessarily a problem, but something that we definitely need to be have a team mentality about is the way we raise our kids. Yes. And that brings up the topic of parenting as a team. Right. And I think that's something that's really tricky um, because both of us come from relatively single parented households yes. where one person who is the adult makes the rules and the children live by those rules. But we're living in a household that has two adults that have to agree on rules that the children then have to follow. That's right. And um, and you get that sometimes, like the kids will come up to one parent and go, oh, can I do this? And then I'll say no. And then immediately they go and they'll ask you yeah. the exact same question. Yeah, it's textbook behaviour. It's you classic. Have to, you <laughs> have to go, all right. What did mum say yeah. before you say yes or no because, you know, they're trying to play you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the yeah. little tricksters. But um, parenting as a team can be a challenge because we both and, – and we face it. We have different ideals and different things that we want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think something that's really important is the way that we, I guess, unite on what we're trying to accomplish. And particularly, like, for example, like, you might not agree with – something that I've done or the way I've said something or spoken to the kids, but it's better to talk to me about it later and say, hey, I wasn't comfortable with that than in front of the kids to say, don't treat them like that, don't talk to them like that, and so that we're actually, yeah. Because if I'm in front of the kids criticising you or correcting you, then we're no longer a team yeah. in front of the kids and The kids well. see yeah. us as well, yeah, they're not actually on the same page here, Yeah, and then they can... Um, yeah, they can. and if they, if they see a weakness, if they see a weakness, I'll exploit it. That's like that's the kryptonite we can. Yeah, yeah, and so that's the thing as well. Like making the time, the opportunity to have those parenting conversations without your kids around, so that you're on the same page. Yeah. You talk about things, and even couples who don't have kids yet, to think about discipline. What's important to you? What did that look like when you were growing up in your household? This is what it looked like in mine. Yeah. What did you like about it? What did you hate about it? What would you like to do without kids? Yeah. And th- those are questions that sometimes you automatically have thought about yourself, but you haven't asked your partner and about. And it can be such a cause of, of conflict. It can be a real clash when, well, I was disciplined this way and it worked for me and that's what I want to do. And you can have completely different ideals about what's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's really important to be on the same page about that. Um, things about finances with your kids, things about what kind of activities are your kids going to participate with? What are you okay with? What are you yeah. not okay with them doing? Um, what kind of morals do you want your kids to have? Yes, we're both Christian, but do we both have the same ideas about what sorts of things we want our kids to watch on TV and be interested That's in right. and to learn about? What music we want them to listen to, whether they're allowed to have sleepovers or not, um, the whole range of different things, whether we want them playing contact sport or not and things like that. There's yeah. a number of things that it's good to be like, hey, let's get a team approach here. Um and both maybe compromise a bit so that we come to a solution so that we are together, we're united, and we're setting our own agenda as a couple. And I guess the reality of that is that it takes intentionality. Yes. Because if we're just approaching every day with a reactional approach, um, then you and I react in different ways that are part of our sort of makeup of the ordinary way that we react without actually having that conversation first, then we might tread on each other's nerves a bit. Intentionality was an incredible keyword that you just said, but it takes intentionality to behave like a team. Mm. It doesn't just happen. You won't just automatically see everything the same, want to work together on all things. It takes intentionality. And that's why it came back to what we talked about before with celebrating, how that getting into a routine of celebrating together actually reinforces the mindset that we are a team. So then intentionally celebrating over things that you might think are silly 
silly that you normally wouldn't celebrate is intentionally building the mindset of team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, this has been cool, but we need to take another break. So we'll be back with you very shortly as we continue the discussion here on Faith FM. From faith to faith, oh, I need your grace. It's not my righteousness, but it is yours. Oh, what a state we find ourselves in. Grateful, we find you knocking at our door. Jesus, come in and fill this doubting heart. We were dead in our sin, evil within, living for ourselves. But God, being rich in mercy and love, came down and rescued us. Distracted, we strayed. We strive to do it on our own Will help us to realize We couldn't live life It's in Christ alone So God, take us more Just remind us Salvation is through you Within, 
Oh, I need your grace. Praise God, it's not my righteousness, but it is yours. Well, blessed assurance, Jesus is my iron. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Welcome back to Faith FM. You are listening to The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. You're here with Chapo and Bethany, and we've been talking today about how marriage can be a team um, and how we need to think of our marriage as a team, that we are a team on the same side and working together. Something that we haven't done yet, though, is actually looked at the Word of God and, and discuss what the Word of God actually tells us about this concept of being a team. That's right. So I've got a text for you guys, and if you've got your Bible, you're welcome to turn along with me. If you don't, you're welcome to just listen. It's in Genesis chapter 2, and it is in verses 23 and 24. This is coming from the very beginning of the Bible. It's just after God has created the whole earth and everything in it. He's created the first man, and then he puts that man into a sleep, and from that sleep he takes a rip, and he creates the first ever woman. And this is what happens after that happens. So 23, then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, there's a lot in just that little part. Oh, there's so many things that I'd love to talk about, but we probably need to keep it to the topic that we're discussing today. The topic of team today. And this might be a passage that we actually come back to over the time of the marriage project because sure. this is really where we get our structure in Christianity of what it means to be a married person as a Christian. Yeah. 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 So I guess we want to focus on that idea where it says, therefore the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So what is that talking about leaving and then being joined. Yeah, so um, other texts um, change the words to leave and cleave, and yeah. I like that because that rhymes. That rhymes, yep. Um, so it's that idea of leaving your original family, of being separated from your original family. And you can see that a lot in marriage relationships when you don't separate well from your original family and you take a husband or a wife and you join them and become a brand new family. Mm. If you haven't had that, hey, I'm not, I'm not only part of this family, but I'm making a new thing. Yes. That can really cause a lot of tension. And I know that statistically the most tension in any kind of dynamic of a marriage relationship is the mother-in-law. Right. Whether it's the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law or the mother-in-law and the son-in-law, it doesn't seem to matter which way gender-wise it goes. It goes yep. But that, that is the most... Um, strenuous of relationships, most difficult of relationships yeah. in any kind of marriage. Situation. I wonder why. Maybe we don't have time to get into it, but I think maybe because um, I don't know. This is my perspective. A mum is like the the heartbeat of the house, yes. and when it comes to family culture and when it comes to the things that we do, because we do them a lot of the times, the mother is the one who is generating that normalcy in a household, yeah. and so therefore the mother is also the one who has influence over her children and how they run their lives. And then when they move into a new household and a new family, then you They lose that influence. They lose that influence. They lose that connection. And also that child who maybe in the past came back to them to say, mum, how do I do it, is now asking their partner. And it's that's that's a difficult thing to go through. Well, because it's a severing as well in some ways. And that doesn't mean that once you get married, you can't talk to your parents anymore. (laughs) No, we we encourage very great relationships within family and family. both of us actually have had great relationships with our mother-in-laws as well. That's right. Speaking of which, but also- 
you notice mostly that, that they are a different person to you yeah. as well in that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, and I like the way that you mentioned before, the idea it's leaving and cleaving. So it is making some sort of separation from what was normal to you before, the life you lived before and the, you know, the, the way things operated and then cleaving to someone else and forming something that is new. Yeah. My, my version of the Bible says hold fast to your wife if you're a husband. So holding fast, like really connecting to, clinging to your spouse, that new person that you've created as your new family. So it's that idea that you've come from two separate families, but then two are joined and become one and create a whole new family. Yeah. And like it's almost like a marriage is a birth, if you will, yes. of something absolutely brand new that never existed. It's a new family being born. That's yeah, right. that's a cool way to think of it. Because yeah. yeah. And so you're no longer Team Chapman, which is your family, and I'm no longer Team Holland Lillahagen, which is the last thing that I was super grateful to um, <laughs> remove and to take on Chapman when I got married. But now we are a Chapman household that we are building of our own. That's right. That yeah. is different from both of our former upbringings and our former homes because that's we right. are creating a new thing. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah. all of you who are in a marriage relationship, you are creating a new thing that has never existed before, that God has given you as a gift to create, to work, and to build together. Yeah. In this life, which and is it, so beautiful. And again, that word comes back of intentionality, yes. where to be intentionally creating and building something that is new and not only just bringing in stuff from the past to, to define. And that's not saying that traditions aren't important and some great things can't be carried on, um, but to be intentional about, hey, we're forming a new thing. We are a new team. We are cleaving together. That's right. And when you think about not only in our relationship, but we've done a lot of premarital with couples and even some couples who've been married for a while and who have reached out to us for help as well. Family of origin, the family that you grew up with and the difference between yours and your partner's is so often the thing that causes conflict in relationships. That's right, yeah. Because family of origin is that autopilot part of our brains that we have that says, this is normal. This is the way that things are done. This is the way it should be. That's right. This is the way I'd like it and is comfortable to me. And then you marry somebody who goes and says, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) Why are you doing it that way? And suddenly the things that were comfortable for you become uncomfortable because somebody's questioned it or somebody yeah, does it differently. Yeah, and, and often, and this is something that I always will talk about with a couple that we're, you know, sort of preparing for marriage, is what do you do at birthdays? What do you do at Christmas? How do you celebrate holidays? Because it might seem like such a silly, insignificant thing, but there is so much tradition and so much um, a sense of importance that we bring the way that we do it to the relationship and expect that it will be carrying on the same, that people can really feel diminished and belittled if their way isn't the way that they do it. And right. so, how do we get, what compromises can we make? The amount of fights that people have over something that seems so silly is tremendous. It's That's actually right. a big deal. Yeah. And there's a lot of room for hurt feelings when it comes to, for example, Christmas. And we didn't do that one thing that we've always done. And now I feel like it wasn't even Christmas at all. Yeah. <laughs> even yeah. though we did all of these other things. And so, it's really important to have those conversations and say, hey, what did you do in your family? This is what I did with my family. What did you like? What did you hate? Yep. What would you like to do in our family? Yeah. And we've done that with our kids. Like yeah. since having kids, we've had to think about Christmas is a huge one in particular, birthdays as well. How are we going to celebrate this? What are we going to do? How are we going to exclude include extended family yep. as well as make our own brand new thing that, that incorporates traditions from both families and still feels like we belong and we're just us as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's challenging to do. 
We're going to take a break now. You're listening to Faith FM. We'll talk more about marriage as a team after the break. Faith FM station partner Better Books and Food is holding a special one-off online sale event this Sunday at 3pm with deals of up to 70% off. To book your place, message Better Books and Food on Facebook and ask for a link to the special Sunday sale. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and you're tuned into The Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany. Before the break, we were talking about Genesis. And if you wanted to have a read, it was Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, where it talks about marriage as being two separate people from two separate families, leaving those original families and starting a brand new thing and becoming joined together. And the Bible actually says the two become one flesh, that Mm. they're this brand new unit, that they're a brand new thing, and that there are two people operating as one. And Jesus actually uses this same text to refer to when he's talking about marriage, and so does the Apostle Paul. So, oh, right, that's really cool. So this becomes like the, I guess, the foundational teaching of what marriage actually is from a biblical perspective. That's right. Jesus so, taught it. It went into the, the early church. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So really when cool. we talk about marriage and what is marriage as a Christian person, this is core to what it means yeah. to be a Christian Leave, person. Leaving and cleaving. Yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some science from the Gottman Institute. John Gottman, when he was studying couples, he actually did this experiment where he observed couples and then six years later, he observed whether they were still married or whether they were divorced. So he'd observed newlyweds at the beginning of their relationship. And he actually can spend a little while with a couple observing them and then predict whether or not they're going to stay together or whether they're going to be busting apart. So it'd be scary to be that guy's friend, hey? No, really? Yeah, he can. How long does he need? Um, I can't remember. I have to look it up and maybe I'll tell you in the next episode. But he can actually spend like a certain amount of minutes with a couple and predict whether or not they're going to stay together or not. But this is the thing that is really fascinating. Something that he calls turning towards or turning away from your partner. And this is a major predictor in whether you get divorced or whether you stay together. Married couples turn towards one another 86% of the time and those who got divorced six years later only turn towards each other 33% of the time. Right. So, do you want to know what turning yeah, towards means? Yeah, because that's a bit of a, yeah, so turning towards. What so, is- he calls it turning towards. So, what it basically means is that when your partner is asking for your attention, yep. do you respond or do you not respond? And right. it can come out in lots of different ways. And he calls it, when the partner is asking you to respond, he calls it making a bid for connection. Like eBay. Um, not like the eBay at all. <laughs> it's like um, like you're asking your partner to respond to you. And so it might come out in ways like, hey, did you see the news report about this? Right. It might come out in a way that says, can you help me with the dishes? I'm, I need a hand. It might come out in a way where it's non-verbal and one partner walks up and grabs one partner and the other partner, do they respond or do they ignore them? Right. And so... When your partner responds to you, if they respond negatively or if they respond positively or if they do not respond at all, tells you how well your relationship's going. And whether you do this or not makes a difference as to whether you stay together. So, a bid for attention is that, well, I guess it is kind of like eBay. It's like kind of like throwing the <laughs> throwing the opportunity out there and trying to, you know, like an auction, like, hey, are you interested? Yeah, it um, is. It's putting yourself out there for yeah. your partner. But there's some strange things. So, you said like asking for help with the dishes could be a bid for attention. Like, that just seems like you don't want to do the dishes all yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I did them last night. It's your turn. Like, and what I do you mean? That's the thing is that something that you ask your partner can actually have an underlying emotional need that you want to have met. Right. So, it's really fascinating like that. So, I've got a list of some of them here. So, one of them might be, um, hey, I can't wait to tell you what happened at work today. What you're actually saying to your partner is, 
I want your connection. I want a moment with you to chat. Right. Or maybe um, you're saying, hey, can you come and help me with the dishes? You want to know that your partner can help you solve problems. You want to know that your partner's there for you. You want to know that when you're lonely, your partner's going to come alongside you. Okay. Um, when you reach out and grab your partner, you want them to respond to you. You want them like to... Like in a loving way. Yeah. yeah. No, not in an aggressive way. Yeah. But like, yeah, maybe you walk past and you give them a little tap on the backside or maybe you want to snuggle up next to them on the couch. You want to know, is their body going to respond back to me or are they going to be like a cold fish? Yeah. And and that's saying, you know, I want to play with you. I want to have adventure with you. I want to be affectionate with you. Yeah. And um, those sorts of underlying messages are actually really important. Okay. And so what happens is if we don't respond to our partner, the partner actually starts to give up. Right. And that's where it starts to get sad in those relationships. So the ones who were responding to each other and stayed married were doing well and picking up on each other and reading each other's cues and the ones who got divorced were just getting more and more like two icebergs drifting Drifting further further and further apart apart because they hadn't figured out how to respond to one another. So the thing that's really important with those things is that we need to learn how to spot them. I guess know that they're there, know that our partner does make them to us and every relationship this happens. Um, I even noticed the kids do it with me as well. So notice what they're doing, see that there's a emotional need underneath it and say, well, what do they need from me right now? And then respond. Think, well, what is my partner really asking for and how can I respond to that? Yeah. So, it's interesting because like just coming back to that one, like because you will often ask me to help you with something. Yeah. Hey, I want help with getting the kids' bath or I want help with getting this done. And I get really frustrated because I'm just thinking, why do you need help? It's not a hard job. Or I say, <laughs> just get out of the way and I'll do it myself because it's more efficient for me to get it done without you being there working under my feet or something like that. It's not so much that you need help or the job's too hard, it's that you want to be doing something together. Yeah, that so for me... It's, it's a bit yeah, of attention. It's saying, it's, hey, come and let's do something as a team. That's right. So it's really important for me to know that you're a teammate with me. Sometimes in those moments when I ask, I might be feeling overwhelmed, I might be feeling lonely, and I might just want to know, hey, I'm not in this alone, I've got somebody else who's doing it with yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned before that... Um, after many times, I guess, of the other partner turning away, the bid stopped coming. That's so, right. And, 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 and yeah, really back dangerous. to that eBay analogy, it's like I, I bid on things all the time and I never win, so I'm just going to stop bidding. Is that kind of like the... Yeah. yeah, and so it might be like I was standing in the room, I was looking at him, I was waiting for him to look up from his phone, but he didn't, so he doesn't love me anymore. And so it's actually those little things that your partner is waiting on you and if you don't respond, then your partner perceives that as an action of rejection and of not loving them. And what's actually crazy is that it's worse to just completely cold ignore your partner than it is to say no, actually. I can't respond to you in that way right now, but let's do this instead. Because if you say no or if you reject them or if you say, actually, let's do this instead, you're still having a conversation, you're still having an interaction. And you've acknowledged the bid. You've acknowledged that, yeah. Yeah, but if you just ignore it, you're shutting that person down, you're not giving them an opportunity to connect with you. So how can we learn to spot these? Because it seems like... It could be veiled behind something completely different. Well, it, co- it could be a fun experiment to do, actually, to watch a TV show where there's a couple in that show and look at the couple interacting with each other oh. and say, hey, look, he's bidding for her attention for this. Hey, look, she's there and she's asking for his attention for this. And you can spot it in another couple. Yeah. Don't do it with your friends when they're in the same room as you. It could get awkward, but maybe put a TV show on and see if you can pick it up. And then just start keeping an eye out for it with your partner, being aware that, hey, this is a thing that exists. How can I find it? Learn it. Acknowledge it. 
And the other thing as well is that if you're the partner who is making those bids, state your needs. Right. Say, hun, you're not picking up that this is something that I need from you right now and ask your spouse for it because it is okay to do that as yeah. well. And sometimes we're a bit dum-dums. Like we sort of- Yeah, we can't read minds. We can't read minds. That's right. Yeah. Your partner cannot read your mind. Even if you've been married to them for a long time, you still baffle them. So give them a hand, help them out yep. and tell them what your needs are. So be aware that your partner makes bids, find out what they are, state your needs if you have needs and then make the choice to consciously turn towards your partner. Yeah. So if your partner is reaching out to you, go, hey, they've just made a bid to me. I'm going to, re- I'm going to return that. Respond. I'm going to turn to them. I'm going to respond. Yeah. So try to respond, try yeah. to turn towards. Um, but if you can't at the time, voice it and acknowledge yeah. it. Don't yeah. just ignore them and, and make no. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. okay to still have your own emotional needs or your own things that you're doing, but just acknowledge that, hey, I, I recognize you, but right now I need to do this other thing. And that's yeah. okay too. Yeah. Look, the last thing I want to talk about um, this afternoon is something that I think is really important when it comes to being a team and that's compromise. Yeah. Um, I've read it once about doing the dance of compromise and, you know, with a dance, it's well, no dancing fun. dancing sounds nice. Well, dancing does sound nice, but when you're dancing with someone, it's no fun if you're the only person moving and they're just standing still, you know? Like, it, <laughs> it, it, it's only pleasurable when both people are involved. Or if one person is dancing and it's, like, really sort of rigid and aggressive and possible <laughs> and yeah. you just get your feet trodden on yeah. because it's not a team. You're just like, oh, okay, so you're the one who's dancing here. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, but the dance of compromise means that we both become fluent in compromising, that yes. it becomes something that we both do willingly so that we can come come to outcomes that we both appreciate. Recently, I don't know if you remember, we were watching a show. It was one of those house hunter shows where they show like three options of a beach paradise oh, home yeah, yeah. that you could move into. And the, the, the wife was just really, really rigid and determined of what she wanted and would not budge. That's right. And they viewed a few and she really just only wanted this one house. And even though the husband kept verbalizing why that wasn't a good choice, every single other option that they looked la- looked at, she was super critical of and just kept going back to that one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Without respecting what he had wanted to input into it. Yeah. And it just became, it was actually got quite tense and uncomfortable to watch because it was just, it was painful to watch <laughs> yeah. because it was really ugly. And it was just that, it was just really brought to, uh, to light the idea of, hey, one person is willing to compromise, the other person has no interest in compromising here. And I guess the problem with when one person is continually compromising and the other one isn't, what that leads to is obviously resentment. Yes. And resentment from just about everything I've read and probably what you've read as well is resentment is the biggest poison for relationships. Yeah, there is it just nothing- leads to that bitterness that erodes over time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, resentment is the most toxic thing that can be in a marriage and something that you have to fight against. Yeah, absolutely. So, we need to learn the art of compromise That's and right. how to come to a team goal or a team solution that helps both of us to win or at least somewhat win in a situation. That's right. And I guess that's hard because we're used to wanting what we want and getting what we want, but to incorporate another person into that and to build a future together and to think our relationship and our goal for the future is more important than what I want in this moment right now. And that's really difficult too. Yeah. And I like that you said dancing of compromise because so often compromise does not feel like dancing. Yeah. It, maybe it feels like that horrible dancing where it is uncomfortable and it is awkward and your toes are getting trodden on because it's really hard yeah. to do. And yeah. so it's really important that we see our partner, that we acknowledge that both of us have needs in that moment yep. and that we move towards a shared solution together. That's right. Yeah. And I think that that can be a, a, a real struggle is when both – both 
uh, the husband and the wife come together at a place of need. Yeah. When they're both saying, yeah. hey, I need something from you. I need you to be a little more kind and compassionate. I need you to be a little more lenient in what you expect from me. Um, but you're both coming from that same place and no one gets their needs met and it just ends up in another clash. Yes. Uh, the classic example of that is the wife's been at home all day with the kids or one partner's been at home all day with the kids. The other yep. partner's been out at work and the one who is tired at work and the one who is tired with the kids and they come and they meet each other with a whole list of expectations. One wants to relax and do nothing and one wants to be saved by the other person entering into the home and both of them have needs. Yeah, it's like both of them want the other person to save them. It's like, oh, you have no idea what I've had to deal with at work today. It has been really hard and I am tired and I just want you to just strip all my responsibilities off me at home so I can relax. I need you. Whereas you would be saying, you have no idea how hard today's been and I can't wait for you to get home so that we can work together um, so I'm not by myself. (laughs) And both are coming from a place of wanting the other person to rescue them and neither of them have the ability to do so. Yeah, and so maybe rather than saying... I need this more, I need this more, and fighting over whose need is more pressing or urgent or relevant, but rather actually instead of in that moment having a quarrel because it's a heavy time of the day when you're just meeting each other, but actually taking time out, so maybe it's after the kids have gone to bed, maybe it's in the morning over breakfast, saying, hey, what can I give to you? Or what can I do for you that's going to make this time of day easier for us? Yeah. Because I've noticed that this is a problem for us, hun. How can we sort this out? Yeah. How can, what's one thing that we can do that will make it better? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be fixing the entire problem either. Sometimes it really is just that one thing. How can I be more generous to, be more kind to in this moment? Yeah. To- and talking about being more generous and more kind, I think that just is a great place for us to wrap up with the idea of grace. Yeah. We spoke last week about how a marriage is supposed to reveal the heart of God and the love of God to each other, you know, that, yeah. that that I really hope and pray that you see God's love in the way that I love and respect you and I see God's love in the way that you love and respect me. Um, but grace is something that we need to harvest to to become, you know, fruitful in our, in our relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. That we need to make that grow between one another, that we need to extend to one another graciousness, kindness, mercy, love, even when we feel like the other partner might be dropping the ball or even when we don't feel like our needs are getting met, to actually be like, how can I be Jesus yeah. to you in this Yeah, moment? and that's not saying to be a doormat or, you know, be trodden on. or No, because both partners need to be coming to the that's party. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The but, grace and mercy needs to become a foundation of how we love and respect each other. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe this week as you're thinking about your relationship, think about how can I be more gracious towards my partner? How can I show my partner the love of Jesus? And how can we be a team together as married people this week? That's right. Well, we've loved having you with us this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. And we look forward to being with you again next week. 